Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, here today with Frank Dees of Knox. And Frank is someone, I would describe him as a man on a mission, maybe more than one mission. (laughs) But where Frank and I intersected before was a number of years ago, 2012 to be exact, And he came into our newsroom at the Altamont Enterprise with an incredibly heartfelt story. We had been writing about concussions and high school players that had suffered them and some of the long-lasting effects. And I had done an editorial on a program called Impact, urging high schools in our area, which they have now done to employ a program that would give a baseline. So if someone was hurt in a game, in a practice, the coaches would have some way of judging if they were able to go back in and play. So Frank told me his story, and I'm going to ask you to just recap that really powerful story about your brother. Well, uh, thanks, Melissa. Uh, you are a great writer, and I have probably for the last seven years spread the word what a good writer you are because I have uh, sent in probably hundreds of envelopes your story that you encapsulated in uh, the editorial. Uh, it was from, uh, to be exact, August sixteenth, 2012, that uh, I came into your office and... I had been, in your words, Frank Deese had something to say. He came to our news office to say it. He had laden with stuff. And very much like today, I'm always carrying a lot of stuff. Yes, he has come in with piles of notebooks, papers, and a very important shirt, which we'll hear about. Go ahead, though, with the story of your brother. Okay, for the, for the past seven years, what I have... Uh, my mission statement is sometimes we have to protect athletes from themselves. And the story in Cliff Note Farm, because we're all familiar with Cliff Notes, is that uh, 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 Rick had told me on a uh, Tuesday game that we had. He was I'm just going to interrupt to back up for a little setting here. Frank is one of six brothers and raised in Litchfield, Illinois, with a father who was a hero to them, an athlete, Roy, and both Frank and his older brother, Ricky, were on the high school football team. So go ahead. I just thought people needed a little setting yeah. there. For yeah, Rick was uh, uh, 20 months older than me, and uh, what I had not shared with any of my brothers and I had not shared with anybody else over the years, which was... 50 years, uh, uh, that uh, Rick, on a Tuesday game that we had been playing, uh, had told me that uh, uh, in that Tuesday game in Staunton, uh, he was an end, and he was tackling, and he came up to me in the, in the hallway and uh, uh, with uh, another individual uh, who, uh, at this particular time, his name was Lenny, I remembered since I've seen Melissa. Uh, and uh, he pointed to his head and he said, don't tell mom and dad, but I hurt my head. So I didn't, as, as brothers do, and on a Saturday game, which was uh, 
in, in the evening game. I, I didn't get to go. I was a uh, defensive back and, and a quarterback, uh, second string quarterback. And uh, I was grounded at home, but the phone rang, and Rick was hurt in the game. And that evening from this second blow, which is second concussion uh, syndrome, he went down and uh, was transferred to Staunton High, High School, Staunton, Illinois. Illinois. The hospital, yeah. Uh, he went to St. John Mercy Hospital, and where he subsequently died from a head concussion or aneurysm. It's okay. Yeah, what a terrible, terrible thing. The, the, the editorial, if you're really interested, uh, is well-framed and beautifully written by Melissa. Uh, I could read different excerpts from it, or uh, if you think that's appropriate, if, if not. Do whatever you want, Frank. But what struck me that day you came to the office is you had been bearing this burden for so long, and you decided to speak about it. And it was just so moving. And now, catching up all these years later, I happened to run into Frank at, at getting gas at the corner here. And he has distributed this message through the editorial um, to countless people and just showed me letters, sheaves of letters from people um, who've been moved by his story. So tell me a little about how how this became your mission and how you've been carrying it out. Well, one one of the things, it was a great lift. Uh, it was like a, a tick being uh, 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 punctured and in, in, uh, being able to express it openly and so forth. And the more I, I have over the last few years spoke, the easier it is. Uh, I actually have met people, countless people throughout the country on airplanes and, and everywhere, and just to give you some data, since 2012, when I spoke, there were 35,000 fewer individuals playing high school football. Now, I want to make this very clear. I love sports. I love football. And I, I know part of I, what you told me, too, was after this happened, after your brother's death, the school board, the Litchfield School Board, had wanted to do away with football. And your father right. spoke to the board right. and said no. Right. Actually, Dad saved football in the, in the town of Litchfield. And he wasn't pressuring any of us to play or not play. I very vividly remember going out on the front porch and, and Dad saying to me, this is immediately after my brother had passed. And in the story, I had found out uh, how my brother had passed since I was grounded that night. I went the next day after us going to church to uh, get donuts for my uncle his name I'm going to put in here because I loved Uncle Scuts. Now, there's not a whole lot of Uncle Scuts out there, but Uncle Scuts Cademo from uh, Hillsboro. And he said, go get some donuts. And while I was in line getting donuts is when uh, I heard, overheard somebody said, did you hear Rick died? And that's how I found out. Things have changed, thankfully, since the 60s. We have counselors. We have people that... that uh, uh, and nurses in, in schools and so forth. But uh, there was no such thing back then. And uh, uh, basically, the uh, I kind of, with the, with the other brothers and the mom and dad, we kind of made our way through uh, uh, 
life. Uh, I think we all turned out pretty good. I'm real proud of all of them. And, and, uh, but the, the important thing, going back to on the porch where I was talking with Dad, he said, it's up to you uh, if you want to play football. Your mom and I will support you if you want to do that. Uh, or, and I ended up playing all sports like all my other brothers, and uh, uh, we played football. But I know, as Melissa wrote in the article, I'll quote her, all of us played football before every game mom's heart hurt. And, and it did. Uh, I'm, right now, the mission with sometimes we have to protect athletes from themselves is we're all grandparents or grandpas or, or uh, moms and dads and so forth. And I, I think we're getting smarter. We're trying to, to uh, uh, make the game uh, safer through helmets and all kinds of equipment. But the key that I think we need to know, and this is my mission, this is what, what we need to know, we have to let the kids know it's okay to say, I'm hurt. It's okay, Mom and Dad. I, 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 I know you don't, don't want me to play tonight, but I want to let you know open and honestly I hurt myself because no game is worth the life of uh, of a child or anybody. I'm concerned about professional athletes. Now, they get paid big bucks, as I said right before I was talking with Melissa, about at bat, there's athletes making 44000 per time at bat. And a lot of those athletes will go out and play hurt today. I'm concerned about it. I'm a huge Cardinal fan, and I, I, uh, I'm concerned about a couple of the ball players that go out there day in day out, no matter whether they want, whether they're uh, they want to play simply because they that's that's their job and they don't want to lose their job and and uh, so getting back to the the high school and and uh, uh, younger folks here's where the graveling comes in Melissa and <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting back to the younger kids I'm. Right now, and there's been a lot of talk about tackle football for Pop Warner football. Now, I don't want to attack Pop Warner football because you've got a lot of advocates on that side. But I do not believe kids under 13 should be playing tackle football. And the reason they should not be playing tackle football is their brain is not ready for that. Uh, they are not ready for that. The coaches aren't ready for that. And uh, there, there's... Flag football is wonderful. You can learn the same same uh, skills, teamwork, leadership, all kinds of of, of uh, uh, teaching moments in, in in that. But without the impact, yeah. Correct. Well, I was just moved. You shared with me some of the letters people have written back to you There's after you've talked to them. Right behind you. There is about what. There's about 200 of them in a three-ring binder under oh those Oh, my shirts. gosh, 200. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, those are just, those, as you see, uh, those are just some of the latest ones. That but I, the connection is so personal. Like, here's someone writing um, about, I think it's a he, his daughter Monica, and it says that he read the editorial and it, tu- it really touched me. It's because of reading your article that I insisted my daughter Susanna, a West Point cadet, see a medical staff after she fell off of her horse head first. So, I mean, just you, you again... You want to know how again. I met her? No, how? It, how? It was very, very... 
I was coming from uh, uh, Illinois driving, and I stopped. And I know every rest stop between here and, and uh, uh, Illinois. Uh, as you age, you, you tend to use those places more. And there was this lady, <laughs> and it, it, she is the one that actually wrote. Uh, and she had Illinois plates, and so I said, "Hi, from Illinois." And and, and she said, "Yes, I'm, uh, you probably haven't heard of it, Carbondale." And I said, "Well, I went to school there, Southern Illinois University." And uh, uh, one thing led to the next, and then I got her address. And she works, as you see, as a counselor at uh, I, what's it say there on the very bottom. Um. It just has crossed it out. It's oh, uh, yeah, she's the executive yeah. director, and her name I mistook it for. It's Danulia Del Rio. Right, right, right. She's the executive director for uh, Anna, uh, which is a town down in in southern Illinois. It's mm-hmm. the county, and uh, uh, so after that, she has a daughter going to West Point, as you pointed out. And yeah, and who had fallen off a horse. And here's another one. This must be somebody that you met on a plane because she said, I know I mentioned on the plane and you must have sent her the editorial because she goes, what a heartfelt story. I know this must have been hard to share so many years later, but it's worth us, it's what people need to hear. Is that the lady that had the boating accident? Yes, her name is Amy Gassel. Uh, Amy was, I just met her when we were taking my brothers and uh, on my me and my brothers were going down to New Orleans where we donated my uh, mom and dad's. Uh, well, there were 270 letters from my father to my mom during World War II. Well, let's take a side trip and hear about that because that seems to be another mission that you're on, and you've come with notebooks involving that. So tell us, um, first of all, how, how did your parents meet each other? How did they... Dad was from a. I went to Carbondale. I'm a graduate of Southern Illinois University. They have it. It is, in, and Dad was from Edwardsville. And when I was going to school down there, there was a, the branch is what it was. Uh, SIU was just starting, and I will bring in how Mom and Dad met mm-hmm. here. Uh, but uh, Carbondale uh, was a school of about thirty thousand, and it's hurting right now. It's only about fifteen thousand. Uh, the, and the reason it is hurting is because a lot of the scholarships have been cut, cut and they've lost. But the branch is in Edwardsville, and it was just a couple thousand, and it's now about 15,000. So, hmm. so a lot of the folks have gone there. But Dad, being from Edwardsville, and Mom was uh, in uh, uh, Granite City, where I was born, and a couple of my other brothers were born, uh, uh, is... Uh, uh, they met at a Halloween dance. Oh, uh, were they in they, costume? Yeah. I wonder if they... I'm, I'm not really sure. My my brother Bill, and I want to give him cause a lot of credit for... He scanned five volumes of, of those letters that we donated, the original So letters. your father was either drafted or volunteered no, for World War... No, he was drafted. It was during World War II. Two, and, and he w- served from 1943 to 1946. And okay. where, what theater? He was in the it, European theater? Yes, and he was under Patton's army. And there's, there's there, the uh, uh, individuals that we met, and that's going back to that lady who I met there on, on the plane, uh, we were going down to uh, uh, meet with the curators of the National World War II Museum, which happens to be in New Orleans to donate the original letters. And you told me when I asked why New Orleans, so can you share that with our listeners too? The Higgins boat where 
uh, which you, everybody is pretty familiar with that, was the... Used in the D-Day invasion. Right, where they dropped, and you see the folks going onto the, uh, the beach and, and so forth. Uh, the Higgins boat was created by a man there in New Orleans, and 92% of those boats were manufactured in there, and that's why the, uh, the, uh, uh, the museum started out small and then in, I think, 2006 became the National World War II Museum. It has just exploded, and I, I highly recommend uh, folks to, if they get a chance, to go down there. But Brother Tim is the oldest brother. Uh, I'm going to put in some little nice words for Tim. He's a Silver Star recipient, two Purple Hearts, uh, two Bronze Stars, a Green Beret. A so he Forces. served in the Vietnam era? Right. And he, he's the oldest brother, and I think I showed you a picture of, of him. And uh, then uh, Rick was the one that, that passed away in a football game. And then I was number three. We used to number systems like a lot of families. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was number three. Number four, Brother Bill, is the one. It's the genealogist uh, uh, expert, and he's the one that scanned and did a lot of the, the legwork on uh, uh, pulling together the, the gift to a National World War II Museum. Brother Chuck is, was a photographer and has fallen on some hard times, but it was a f- forensic photographer. And I, I'll just mention this, that I think one of uh, his tough issues was the day that my brother died was his birthday at, at 12 years old. And um, that's something I think that uh, uh, it, it was tough to, tough to deal with for a 12 yeah. year And Brother Dennis is the youngest. He's, he's uh, up in Vermont and has been battling. Uh, he's uh, has his master's in substance abuse counseling and has been dealing with the opioid ep- epidemic that ex- exploded in this country over the last Oh, he must years. have his hands full. Yeah, he does. So four of us are Salukis, Tim, myself, Bill, and uh, Dennis, and we all paid our way through college without... Dad couldn't afford loaning us a car, much less giving us any money to go to college. So we well, I remember you saying we were poor, but we didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. one, one cool thing about... Uh, I'll say about going back to Southern Illinois, and I'm going to say some nice things about them. In in that, Tim started out as a a bus boy, busing dishes at Lentz Hall, and then what? That's how I did it. And then, uh, but he got uh, a job as a uh, university operator, and that was in probably 1963 or 64. And I'm which. Was the university was about thirty thousand, and a university operator at that particular time was responsible for all nine one one, which there wasn't such a thing, but emergency calls mm-hmm. and and all of that for thirty thousand. And one of the D's boys had that job from about nineteen sixty four to the mid eighties. Oh we my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, so your older brother was responsible for scanning these. And uh, that's number four, brother. Oh, number okay. Number the genealogist. Four. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were handwritten letters that were sent. Yes. yes. And I, is it just the letters that your father sent to your mother? Or does the collection include the letters that your mother sent back to your father? I almost brought you to show you a picture. Yeah. Uh, but uh, mom's 
they were mostly dad's letters mm-hmm. and and some other documents, postcards and so forth. But they they uh, mom's letters were sent to dad, and dad was out there in a theater, for, so he didn't no place to save, to save them. Him. Yeah, but he wrote some of the letters on the back of envelopes that that mom had sent him. So he was using paper from the, from the field and so forth. But uh, Well, I saw a picture you showed me of the stacks of them tied up in ribbon. It yes, just seemed yes. so romantic. Oh, yeah. So were they mostly, I, I guess the censoring would have taken out a lot of the descriptions of battles or places. Were they mostly love letters? What, they, what, they, what's they, in the letters? They are, they are, they are uh, love letters and what's how dads feel and mm-hmm. that day and, and, uh, they're very, very touching, actually. Actually, they, they're interested in uh, Nancy, my sweetheart, uh, of 45 years. And we work with deaf-blind kids back in the, in the day. Uh, said, Frank, this reads like a, a love story. It should be a playwright. And uh, I've heard a c- couple people there at the curator's office talking about that. So, Oh, my, wouldn't that be something? Yes, yes. Well, so the mu- what was the museum's interest in this collection of letters? Do they have a number of such collections, or their, uh, what is their um, mission with it? Uh, not only the letters, they have a room where they, they uh, uh, the museum is, 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 is huge. I mean, it started, it ex- it's exploding, and it, it is just... Uh, because that greatest generation is dying every day, and uh, uh, they have different floors of of artifacts from from uh, cookies that were the, in at the time of World War II to what type of machineries to the uh, Norden uh, bombardier, where they said they could drop a bomb from. 20,000 feet inside of a pickle jar, but they were, that was a, 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 a little exaggeration. <laughs> but they, uh, the bombardiers were told that they had to guard that with their life. If it went down, they couldn't let that in enemy hands. Across the street, they have uh, uh, a theater, which is 4D, where the chairs, they actually take you from the beginning of the World War uh, II to the end of uh, the... Uh, uh, World War II, so it's very educational. It, I mean, it's just it's it's super. It has, uh, I I would say, if you're going to go there, you're going to spend easily a couple days if you really went, went into it. But um, a, a few hours, it costs you. If you for the cost, it's just about twenty one bucks to get into the the place, and it's uh, it's just well worth the time. So, was it hard for you as a family to? give up this, you know, very sentimental, important piece of your own family history? Not really. I mean, I think with the way we look at it and uh, uh, is that uh, the grandchildren are very interested, and we made copies. My, my daughter's interested, and I made copies, built, uh, given it to all the brothers. But those pieces of paper, if not... Uh, preserved in the right climate are just going to end up in somebody's basement getting wet or destroyed mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So I, I think that's 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 it. I'd like to talk a couple more minutes about concussion stuff, though. Yeah, uh, we can go. We took a long side trip, but I just but, find you do everything you do with such passion, and I don't think these notebooks are a coincidence <laughs> because you have a sense of, like, gathering up 
something. But right. yes, let's hear more about the the mission with the concussion. With with with, and I hope this is fine with you that I've always shared. Uh, oh, things. I think it's wonderful. Okay. Uh, and I, I want to say something about, I've never met Carol, but she Carol is, Coogan, yeah, yes. She is just a wonderful artist. And, and uh, uh, in the editorial, which I, w- I want to say it again, it was in the Altamont Enterprise on Thursday, August 16, 2012. Seven years ago, can you imagine No, that? that went very fast. They, they do. But, uh, and Carol has done one of her lovely pen and ink drawings with all of her cross-hatching that I love. And there's you on a train because you were a train conductor for so many years right, and right. a large heart that's right. almost glowing like a moon held carefully. And there's my brother's uh, uh, 54. Yes, his yes. football jersey number 54. Right. And now, how did you come to have that? Um it was in the trophy case along with, uh, uh, I think you quoted the... Uh, uh, they retired the numbers, Ricky, I remember. Yeah, yes, they retired the numbers. Ricky, Ricky had a lot of friends, which he did. He had a lot of girlfriends. I'm finding out more and more at 17. This guy had a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, busloads of kids from all of the schools came to the wake for Rick. Ricky had a lot of friends, said Frank, one of his friends. Jane Elledge wrote a poem about him. It's on his. Uh, it's his epitaph on his. On his, the last stanza was engraved uh, from the poem, and that's on. And it says, "Now we are better for having known him, for he taught us to live each of life's little parts. And even now, now he's not really gone, for Rick lives within our hearts." And that's on the uh, back of a of a. Uh, the yearbook picture, the entire poem, but that's the last stanza. And I, I like a lot of folks go out and visit Rick often, and I think of Jane when she she did that at age seventeen. What a mm. what a articulate lady she was. Well, do you feel like your mission in spreading the word about concussions is is kind of a tribute to your brother? Is that part of what fuels you in doing this? Or, um, that's a good question. Uh, what I think, um, why I do it, is I don't think I want any family to go through the pain uh, and any parents to go through the pain that that our family did. And it was because of uh, our loving mother, St. Elizabeth, she's up there, Betty, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Roy, they... Uh, raised six boys uh we roughed house and we we but we learned the limits of what rough housing was about we we played sports we loved sports we knew we we loved our parents so i i think my mission is is simple there's a lot of single parents out there trying to be moms and dads and uh I, sports is a, is a great outlet, but at the same time, it, it's an outlet. You, there are dangers out there, and, and one of those dangers is head concussions, and which, which uh, I think society is becoming more and more aware of. Now, the answer to that is not to play sports. The answer to that is to be smart about sports. Yes, we can create equipment, and I think that's back because it's a big business. The NFL is a huge business. If you really want to know about uh, concussions and uh, 
the, the medical aspect of it. There was a great movie, I guess three years, four years ago, with Will Smith, who did a wonderful job. It's called Concussion. I, I recommend that you, you, you see that. CTE is relatively new. Uh, CTE is the, what, the term that the pathologist who, who discovered that the brain is not meant to bounce off of the skull. Uh, there, are, there are individual sports, there are uh, team sports, and like I said, I love football, but you have to be smart. Kids have to be smart to let mom and dads know. Locally, uh, there's a couple individuals that have come to me and, and uh, said thanks, Frank, due to the article that you shared and it was in the Enterprise. This is over in Voorheesville and one over in, in Schenectady. Um, my daughter had a concussion, and, and uh, uh, she brought it up to us. Thanks, because we talked about it. And mm-hmm. that's what parents have to do. If you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, you have to talk. You have to talk and say, share. Share that, that uh, uh, not like in the hallway, like my, my brother Rick, you know. Don't tell mom and dad because they won't let me play. That's not the answer. It wasn't worth his life. Uh, I think many times with all these different girlfriends, how many grandkids as he would have there. <laughs> <laughs> but also when you talk about sharing and telling, um, part of it too was you felt so guilty. You were just a boy and you kept this secret in all these years. And it just is important for people to share. I think, I think that's true. Uh, I, I there was I was gonna there was gonna go through this there was a couple things that I wanted to rebut with you since we've really never okay. really shared and that's really really kind of good but the and I don't want to keep you out no time wise we have to hear what you have to say okay uh, I, I I thought when you concluded in in the story uh, I was talking about Tim and, and the military experience and his Silver Star and that the people stuff things. And I think it really is important for people to get thing, things out. Be, this is your brother who has uh, the Purple Hearts oh, yeah, that you mentioned in so, Vietnam. Uh, and he, but, wasn't, he wouldn't talk about his right. war experiences. But I, I, I don't think I ever really felt guilty, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What I, what I felt is uh, a sense of commitment. It's kind of like I, I worked for mental health for uh, 20 years almost, and confidentiality is important. So I almost was carrying that. Mm, I like see. When, 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 uh, Cause per- you swore you wouldn't tell. Yeah, I wouldn't tell. But, but, uh, when I did, and it reached the point where mom and dad, uh, what was it going to matter to them? What was, is, was it going to help mom or dad to share that Rick told me in a hallway he was hurt? And I couldn't see how that would help at all. So you were protecting your parents, right? Which, which, uh, in the in the, I've, I've since learned. You learn things as you you go and open up and talk to people, and and uh, uh, to your point. But the uh, uh, one of the things that I recently learned that, that I thought Dad didn't know about the head injury, and one of the brothers told me that. He had mentioned something the day of the game and gave him aspirin. Now, you think about a head injury, and he may have had, on that first hit, a bleed started. Mm -hmm. What will aspirin do? 
make you bleed more. Right, right. So it's another thing, another reason to share why and if you're injured. And and uh, uh, why I'm passionate about it is I I went to Carbondale. I was going to be a teacher. I was going to be the best coach in the world because the guys that protected me, and I'm just yesterday I'm still trying to find one individual, were my coaches. Would do. One ended up going, actually two of them ended up going on and coaching uh, NBA ball players, and one was a head basketball coach for the University of Hawaii for 42 years. He's the one I haven't found yet. But then, and the old football coach that we alluded to, the I went and saw him personally, and he said, "I knew there was something more to it, Frank. I knew there was." We looked at the films and and couldn't couldn't see why. Uh, but he didn't know about the first hit. So uh, I, I think that you, the, 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 uh, me wanting to be a coach and I got involved with how I ended up in New York I, is, is probably a real quick story I ought to say here. But uh, the, uh, uh, I, I worked for Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities for almost 20 years and was... Uh, worked my way up to doing statewide quality assurance work. And then because of my Maria, who was my wife, was uh, received her master's in behavior analysis, and her folks were from Hungary, and she was from Gilderland. She wanted to come to the Gilderland area. And believe me, uh, the ladies get their way. So uh, we ended up uh, moving out here, and the individual that was the head of Department of Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities in Illinois uh, was Dr. Blanton, and he was uh, became a commissioner down in Long Island and was working for uh, the department here in, in New York, and he said, Frank, come on out. We'll take care of you. Well, we made the move, and when you know it, he dropped dead of a heart attack. So oh. that's how I ended up uh, going all over the place looking for a job, and everybody was asking what political affiliation I was and so forth, and I never got a job like that one, and I'm glad I didn't. The only place that didn't ask me was the railroad, so I went to work for them. But uh, that's that story. <laughs> and you liked working for the railroad. Well, I did, except my back doesn't like it now. Oh, <laughs> well. They, they, uh, a good doctor once told me, he said, Frank, it's like an old car that you've put a lot of th- miles on the, on the shocks, and due to the vibration of the train, you wore those things out. So my, but uh, but yeah, I I uh, have come full circle, and now it seems as I, I shared with you, it seems in my golden uh, years, a, a a good mission to as a educator at heart to get the word out that sometimes we have to protect athletes from themselves and that's a perfect ending we have ended where we began and know the place better thank you frank thanks melissa